Hello everyone, this is Shalom Baum, and I want to thank Rabbi Andrew Israeli for two phenomenal shiurim. We are uh, learning today, Daf Yud Zayin, Amid Aleph, we're going to start with in Meseches Ksuvis. Rabbi Israeli started uh, discussing a little bit of Ketzam Rakhtim Lefneakala. We're going to deal with the issue of uh, Sheker, according to Beis Hillel, Kala Let's say you don't think that she is uh, pretty or and kind. Before that, I just want to deal with a couple of questions uh, that I received. And Rabbi Israeli actually, it was great shear. And his, his uh, shear raised a couple of questions that I want to talk about. The uh, beginning last week of the shear dealt with the issue of a lost ksuba. And I've addressed this before. I always like to repeat it. There's something called the ksuba de irkasa. If you have a couple today that loses a ksuba, then there's a need to rewrite the ksuba. What uh, was going on in the Gemara, and this is what Rabbi Israeli dealt with so beautifully, was a situation where the death or the divorce takes place and there is no ksuba. So it's different than a ksuba dirikasa. You can't create the ksuba dirikasa. So someone asked me, well, why didn't they do that while married? Could be they weren't aware of the fact that there was such an option of ksuba dirikasa, or they weren't aware of the fact that it's lost which always gives people a, uh, an opportunity to look for the Ksuba. You should know where the Ksuba is. People are going, this is Yeshiva Week here in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. So most posts can say you don't have to take the Ksuba on your trip with you. There's a good chance you're going to end up losing it, but you have to know where the Ksuba is when you leave the home. So that's an important issue and some questions that have come up. Now, I dealt with something, I think we, we touched on it in Ksuvis, Briefly, we definitely dealt with it at length in Yavamos, which is the issue of having a copy of a ksuba. Because you would think, you know, what's the big deal? Just copy every ksuba, and then uh, maybe you could go back to the Masonic Kedushan and find the ksuba. It's typically not what's done in America. And there is an issue we discussed in the past about having two ksubos, which could generate some uh, halachic issues. In, uh, so what basically happens here is the ksuba that the couple are going to keep is kept by the couple and uh, the rabbi does not keep a copy of it it's interesting because a marriage certificate which is a civil marriage certificate the rabbi does keep a uh, copy of or theoretically keeps a copy of it for, in new jersey for example there are four uh, copies two go to the chassan and the gala one goes to the office and uh, one goes to the rough, the office, I mean the state, so a town that the marriage takes place in, which brings me to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, this I mentioned before, in Eretz Yisrael, if you're getting married with the Rabbanut, I'm not sure what happens in uh, Astam uh, Rav does a chasana. By definition, there is a copy of the Ksuba. And we discussed uh, why that's true, but I can tell you exactly where the office is. Uh, at least in Yerushalayim, I had to go to get uh, Ksuba pickup from my daughter. And there ends up being a copy of the Ksuba that the Masada Kedushin has to send in. And that's part of his uh, licensing. And it has come in handy is when we mentioned uh, a fire. Right? There was at least two fires in Eretz Yisrael in the last 10 years where the copies of the Ksuba were extremely relevant, both as far as allowing the couple to live together until they were able to get a uh, newer Ksuba. They couldn't just use the copy. 
So it's, and it takes time if you're dealing with so many families. And as far, as far as knowing whether she was a basula or whether she was a uh, baula. Okay, there's a lot more to say. I received some other questions from last week, and of course, uh, I'm sure Rabbi Israeli did as well. Let's deal with the Kala Navi Hasuda. So the way this question, we're going to go a little bit out of Ishus now. The way this question is usually addressed is what happens to a Pasuk that we have in the Torah of Midrash Sheker Tirchak. So our Gemara says <clears throat> that according to Beis Hillel, you dance in front of the Kala and you sing and you say Kala Navi Hasuda. Beishamai who's, uh, you actually see B'yashamay Omrim on Daf Tezayin Amabay's Kala Kamo Shehi. Now the B'yashamay position, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on, is very complicated because why do you have to say anything? To say Kala Kamo Shehi means you're supposed to describe the Kala as she is, which makes it sound like if she's, uh, in your eyes, ugly or not a person of chesed. Where this whole idea of even talking to the Kala comes from is an interesting question. As well as the whole mitzvah of being misameh chasen v'kala, there's a general assumption that we find uh, that's generating a lot of these halachas and chazal that a person at their wedding is in a certain state of uh, simcha, but there's also a certain state of insecurity. You know, it's a big life, Bezrat Hashem, in front of them, and we're trying to encourage them. That's why this is considered to be one of the mitzvahs of Ben Adam Lachavera. But the challenge that uh, you really find Chazal, because we know that we paskin like Beis Hillel, is what happened to Midvashek Tirchak? And that's the question that our Gemara asks. Because when Beis Hillel says, Kalanav Chasuda, Amr Lehen Beishan Beis Hillel, Osuma, let's say she uh, has physical defects which today, of course, we would not necessarily see as ugly, but in the Gemara it seems to understand it that way. So, Kala Nova Chasuda, Vatara Amra, Beishamai says, the Torah says in Shemos Gimel Midvash So then Beis Hillel goes back to Beishamai and says, do you have to insult people? But we don't really get the answer to the question unless you look at what, the Chachamim say. And you're going to see how this is interjected in Halacha because You want people to be well absorbed into society. You don't want someone to be considered to be an outcast through the language that we use. But it doesn't really answer the question of what Midvasheker Tirchak. So is Midvasheker Tirchak usurped or superseded by Adamu Reves Imabrios, that could lead to a tremendous amount of lying. And does it have to be halakhically defined? And this is what you really see in the Risharim and the Achronim, in the Postkim. What I'm going to try to do is give you an overview, just from some of my knowledge on this topic and some of the experience that I've had to deal with the Rav. I've never seen this at a wedding. First of all, we don't usually say maybe it's part of a song. I'm not sure if it's the right thing for a man to go over to a bride and say you look very beautiful. For women to do it, I think would be okay. The Gemara is going to get into the whole discussion. Uh, I know Rabbi Israeli covered it to a certain extent, how, how much stock should be taking place between men 
Anakawa. This issue comes up on dating as well. You obviously have to know the person and look at the person to see if you think they're compatible for you. So let's just start with Tosfos, and then I'm going to show you how this really expands into other areas. Those of you <coughs> that were with us in Mesechas Yivamos, so we had some of this discussion on Daf Hey, Daf Samachay Amid Beis, a very important sugya within the sugya of Sheker. Now there are entire svarim that are written on this topic. I think there's a sefer called Ms. Lyakov, not the sefer of Yaakov Kamenetsky. That uh, I used to have a sefer, it's the entire sefer dedicated on different areas. When you're allowed to speak Sheker. And it's not considered to be an Avera. But you have to realize that the starting point always has to be MS. And then the exception is going to be Sheker. I think that's a very important issue. There's a very important uh, Nitziv on Parshish Kedoshim, where the Pasuk says, talking about... Um, you're not supposed to be a talebearer, which comes up in this discussion as well. But right afterwards, it says, You know, you're not supposed to speak Lashon Hara. But then right away, it says, Don't stand idly on your brother's blood. And the way the Nitziv says, the general rule is you're not supposed to speak Lashon Hara. But if by not speaking Lashon Hara, you're going to end up uh, killing somebody or being responsible for someone being abused, then. You have to speak Lashon Hara. It's not even considered Lashon Hara. So I say the same thing applies in the area of MS. We're going to have to reach a certain level of danger of telling the MS, but the assumption that we have to really establish from the beginning is MS. We have so many Pesukim that uh, not just in the Torah, Tehillim, we talk about an Ish MS. A number of places, David Amelch, I'll just give you some examples. Kufiya tests. We have Mishnah and Avos, Perik Aleph, Rashbag, Omer, Omed. And the second thing there is MS, Din, MS, and Shalom. Avadi Batanura, right over there, says, People shouldn't lie. You have the Gemara Masecha Shabbos as well that says the Chaismo Shah Kadesh Baruchu MS, the Kaviyachal, the seal of Hashem is MS. So we're going to have to find cases where it's actually dangerous, some form of danger to tell the truth, which will then serve as the exception. That's how I would uh, generally approach this. Now, Tosfos, right on the spot, says, Ah, ve'im ba'mum yishtaku. Tosfos says, you don't have to, going on Beishamai's opinion, if she has a mum, you should be quiet. V'lo yishavchuha, or don't praise her. Inami, or now he tries to get us closer to Hillel's opinion, compliment her with something that is positive. Now in our eyes or your dough or our hands, what he's actually saying to us is that Beishamai will still allow there to be some room. You know, no person is all or nothing, even uh, in beauty. So I just want to explain that again, according to Beishamai. But then when it comes to Beis Hillel, Omer Mishavchu Legamre. There's no qualification. And according to him, everything that you say should be in the praiseworthy perspective. If you start identifying specific areas of praise, then it looks like you're actually 
denigrating other parts of her. The Ridva on this, and then we'll get into some of the postkim, says something very important. The Ritva right on the Sugya gives us a big opening. And he says, whenever you're in an area of Shalom, where you're going to create some type of conflict, and I think the conflict over here is not just that this woman's going to be embarrassed, but conflict between her and her husband. You know, the husband may be having second doubts. There'll be a lack of Shalom bias. The Ritva says straight out, is eliminated. It's incredible, Chiddush. Now, some of this Chiddush has already been established going back to the Gemara in Yavamas that we studied on Daf Samach Hayamabes. It talks, uh, it gives a few cases. One of the cases that it gives is, first of all, the Gemara there makes a statement that's brought down, And what's fascinating, um, just from this previous Parsha, we're now we're uh, recording this before Shemot, so you had in Parsha's Vayichi, where the brothers said to Yosef, your father commanded us not to uh, be upset, that you shouldn't be upset with us, and shouldn't, Luis Domenu, shouldn't take anything out against us. There's two opinions in the Medrash we discussed on Shabbos. Did they see Yosef go back to the pit? You know, it was a pit stop, and he was planning their demise, did they sit in a different way afterwards, which would have uh, been a concern to Yosef, so he no longer invited them. But either way, the Gemara's assumption is that there was Sheker that took place. The Gemara also assumes that even the Rebona Shalom gives uh, a lie once in a while, because in Bereshus Yudches v'adoni zaken ulubsov ksiv anizakanti. Hashem, in order to keep Shalom bias between Avraham and Sarah, made a change in describing that uh, Sarah really said, Adoni Zakein. But at the end, Hashem said it to say, Vani Zakanti, that Sarah was talking about herself. So this ends up being where you find certain qualifications to the concept. There's also another Gemara I just want to make you aware of where Talmidei Chachamim are allowed to lie. There's a Gemara in Bav Metziah, on Daf Chaf Gimel Amid Beis. It's uh, brought down in the Rambam, Hichos Kezel of Aveda, Perk Yudal, Halacha Yud Gimel, because it ties into some of the mitzvahs of Hashavah's Aveda, which we're not going to get into now. And the Gemara says in three areas they could lie. B'mesechta, B'puria, V'ushpiza. Now, there's somewhat of a machlokas, what exactly it means, but let me just give you the, the pashup shot. Masechta, if someone asks the Talmud Chacham, has he finished a specific Masechta, the Talmud Chacham could actually say yes, because this person is trying to be mevazah at Talmud Chacham, which does not create peace for the community. Puria, the simple understanding, is someone starts asking personal questions about a, the intimate life, of, you know, pruvu of a Talmud Chacham. There's another interpretation, actually, is do you drink on Purim? But we won't go there now. And Shpiza is if someone is asked about uh, whether someone's house is, a uh, Talmud Chacham is asked, uh, you know, does Yankel Beryl, is he a great host? Now, he's not supposed to say Yankel Beryl is the worst host. That would be embarrassing him. But also, you don't want to have that the Talmud Chacham or the Rav of the community said the place to go is always to go to Yankel Beryl because that would end up creating problems within his own home. 
you know, he'll have more guests than taking care of his family. So that's not as well known. Gemara, the most classic cases are the case that we have here in our Gemara, even though it's not the most common. And sometimes for Shalom Bayis, this will be a question, does a, a wife or a husband have to actually share everything? But again, you have to know what the go-to is. Where this halacha comes up, in you know beyond uh, the classic Shalom Bayis cases, I'll give you a few areas. And we're not necessarily going to get into all the details of them. It's a big issue as far as truth-telling to a person who's sick. People assume that you have to always tell people that uh, what exactly the physical condition is. But let's say by telling them the physical condition, they're going to give up hope. Or let's say uh, someone's in the hospital and a parent or a relative passes away. So this is brought down la'alacha, and the Rambam Hilchas Evel, Periches Halacha Dalet. Again, each case is going to be different. Moed Katan Dafchafavam Beis, we covered this way back, is that if you're going to tell somebody who's very sick about the death of a relative, that Agmas Nefesh could end up killing them. It comes up also with a very fascinating uh, and, and, and difficult tension that exists. We know that a person, before uh, he or she passes away after 120, they're supposed to do vidui, and you want them to do vidui. But at the same time, if you say it's time to do vidui, there's a psychological impact that could have a physical impact. They're going to give up hope on living. So Chazal bring down a specific formulation of how you're supposed to communicate to that individual. To say, you know, many people have done the vidui. I've had to do this a uh, number of times and have still survived, but we just want to give you a chance to save vidui. I want to point, point out also, just while we're talking about death, the Shulchan Aruch Yerdeh, Simen Shumem Dalet Sif Aleph, talks about hespedim. You know, people sometimes go to a eulogy and they don't recognize the person that's being spoken about. Like, you know, not everybody has to be the Gadol Adar. So the Shulchan Aruch says, Mitzvah Gadol Lahaspedal Amez Karai. You shouldn't uh, know hyperbole. Umitzvaso, and then he talks about the mitzvah, etc., to how to speak. But then he says something which sounds like a stira, Va'asr Lahaflik Beshivchal Yosem Medai. You shouldn't exaggerate too much. And the achronim ask on the Shulchan Aruch, ah, what happens to midvashekatirchak? What do you mean exaggerate too much? So the way the Taz explains it is that generally, while people are alive, we understate their strengths and overstate their weaknesses. So we hope to compensate by that after they pass away because we don't know the whole story about a person. Yeah, this, this is a big discussion and there's specific rules and laws. You know, when I first went into the Rabbanis, I didn't always appreciate this, that you have to really understand the the truth of a person's life. If not, you make the person, in addition, you make yourself look like a fool when you give a hespit. So these are tensions that come up. There are many, many tshuvos you'll find in Ramoshan, the Mishnah Halachos, the Tzitz Eliezer. A very common question will come up in the world of Shiduchen. You put it down as a uh, recommendation or as a uh, a person, a reference for a shidduch. 
how honest you're supposed to be. Now, there's certain areas that are going to be subjective. Is a person nice, a person in Balmidos? But let's say you're aware of a specific illness, and they're asking you the question, are you allowed to lie? You know, you're lying for this person to protect your friend could create damage in the future, not just uh, for the potential partner, but for them as well. So I'm not going to answer all these questions, but that's why you would need many shiurim dedicated to this topic and to be aware that uh, these issues are very much uh, discussed in halacha. Very often, this Gemara will come back to the discussion, but this Gemara is not the hardest case because everybody understands you're supposed to show respect to a chassan and to a kala. I'll just give you a couple of reference points for further uh, information to see that the Mishnah Brewer himself discusses this in the area of um, Shiduchin, some other areas as well. This is Tzitz Eliezer, the great Rebeleza of Waldenberg, Chelek Tezai and Simon Dalad brings down Sefer Chavetz Chaim, Chlal Tes, Sef Dalad, that's a Sefer by the great uh, Mishnah Brewer, Yisrael Meir Kagan. And there are other uh, famous cases as well in Jewish history of lying cases, and we have to be very careful. So again, I think the key of all of this is we start with the MS. Argamar's point is starting, I wouldn't say with Sheker, it's to look at it as some of the Rishonim explained, to actually find, as Tosvos explains, what's good about a person. And most people, there'll be something positive to say about them. Beauty is in the eye of uh, the person who Baruch Hashem is marrying this individual. And to understand, as we said, pointed out from the Gemara, Samachayam Abayz in Yavamis, of Mutalola Adam Lishnos Bedavar Hashalom, but that doesn't mean for every Shalom bias case you could say, yeah, I wasn't, in, I wasn't in Vegas tonight, and I wasn't in Atlantic City last night. You know, you have to be honest in, in a relationship. But there may be certain times where not all information has to be shared. <clears throat> Have a great week of learning, and we'll get back to real Ksuvis issues.